I'm Allegra Levy, and you're listening to the Scout Archives, the place where I have the privilege of introducing you to groundbreaking artists who also happen to be wonderful people. For more information on the guests or to nominate someone, head to our website, www.thescoutarchives.com. You can also follow us on social media at the handle The Scout Archives. And you can reach out to me on Instagram at Levy Allegra. Now let's introduce this month's guest. When I first reached out to Holiday to join me in a conversation, I was slightly nervous. I really hadn't known much about her. In our acting class where she served as TA, she saw me take punches from teachers and try to hang on to every shred of control. I would find myself shrinking before her. In every show, I would watch her command a stage. She was stoic. She was well-respected. It was clear she was incredibly talented. However easy it may have appeared, behind the scenes, Holly was an intensely hard worker and incredibly dedicated, putting aside a play-hard lifestyle in college to get what she wanted. She always led with kindness, writing notes to everyone in her cast and crew, and remembering everyone's names, a tradition she has taken with her as she reaches new heights in her artistic career. Holiday's humility has allowed her to be thoughtful. For someone who has achieved such success so quickly, she's incredibly inquisitive about the world around her and her place in it. Her perspective on her life now is wise and mature. She has reached a level she did not think possible so early on, booking the ferryman on Broadway, and now working with a group of incredibly important women in theater on The Suffragists, all before 24 years old. But it is the time she spends wondering not in a group of artists, but alone that may be the most special to hear about, for she is tackling every obstacle and celebrating every victory in an artistic way, whether it be through a public visual journal or at a piano. In those years since we were TA and student, much has happened to us both. It took us a while to reconnect and for me to find common ground, but now we have a mutual understanding that this reconnection needed to happen at this time specifically. I never expect a cosmic connection in an interview, especially with a subject I didn't know as well as some of the others. So this interview took me by surprise. Holiday's ability to ask questions about herself, what she knows and what she does not, led to one of the most open and honest communications about art and love. I am indebted to Holiday for this conversation and for reminding me why I love talking to artists. She's the perfect person to start off the year for the Scout Archives. Whether she's writing songs about the women who have left an impact on her, or thinking about the diverging paths of love, the curious way she moves through her life is infectious. She is a reminder of how being candid with yourself and with others can only lead to great things. In part two, Holly shares the story behind her public visual journal and her thoughts on mental health, her journey to self-discovery with the help of the musical Fun Home, and how she feels about falling and being in love. I also want to talk about, hey, it's holiday. Yeah. Which I don't even know if, like, I want to know how you started it. It's an, inst- it's a, it's an Instagram. Yeah, it's an Instagram. Um, and it has kind of your thoughts yeah. on it. Uh, all the captions are just, like, your different thoughts about life yeah. and um, things you're struggling with or things that you love in life. Yeah. And you're very open. Yeah. And I kind of want to know how you feel about exposing yourself through writing, how it's helped you, hindered you, yeah. um, and understanding yourself. And I also want to know um, 
what's the difference between posting just the ups and downs of your daily life and then choosing to talk about something serious that's been like a constant in your life yeah. on social media? Yeah. Um, Hey, it's holiday started as a essentially as a finsta where I was like okay. I like essentially but never never private never anything um, not about other people it's not like a place to you know whatever uh, and um, the reason was because I uh, have been asked in auditions on forms and by producers and people how many followers I have on Instagram on my public professional page and so it, it's important I think as a entrepreneur in this like and that's a silly thing to say but as an entrepreneur in the artistic space that there is a curated version of our lives and there's a professional uh, social media that I prefer to maintain for those standards for those sakes so that when a producer asks me how many followers do I have I can say this and this is what my account looks like and etc etc so hey it's holiday was like originally just like I just want a place to like dump stuff that I'm thinking about, feeling about visual images that inspire me that I wouldn't post normally. Um, and it's recently turned into, I'm calling it a visual journal, um, which to me means there's a space every day where I, uh, it's kind of like an accountability thing of like, I'm going to write this thing and it's going to go out into the world. Every day, doesn't matter, could pull out the phone at any second, write a thing put a picture on it, send it. Um, and recently I've been using it to talk about my mental health. I have been struggling with anxiety for two years, like pretty like debilitating anxiety for two years now. And I didn't understand when people said they had anxiety in college or that they you know, were, were experiencing depression or um, any significant mental health issues that it could be so debilitating. I didn't get it because um, it didn't live inside my body. I didn't carry it every day. And now that I do, um, it's really important to me that we talk about it openly because uh, everyone, most everyone I know has experienced it or will experience it at some point in their lives. Whether or not that's like diagnosable, treatable, whatever you want to, however you want to acknowledge that, or whether or not it's just a small bout with it that eventually will fade and pass and leave you, doesn't matter. We're all going through that. And, um, uh, yeah, it's been really important to me, for me to talk about that. But also because I'm treating it as a visual journal, it's just happening to be that that's what I'm thinking about a lot. And that's what I'm reflecting on in my own life. Um, remind me what the last question, there's something about what's the difference between... Posting like an everyday kind of update about something you're thinking about. Yeah. And then posting something that's more serious and something like a constant in your life. Yeah. Um... I guess I sort of see them, especially right now, as as it as Hey It's Holiday has evolved and hopefully will continue to evolve. Right now, at this point in its trajectory, it's um, it's a little bit of both. It's like how do we because it's all kind of been dealing with the same. It feels very thematic right now and very. Um, the only word I can think of is kelp forest, and that's just um, it's very kelp forest. Well. Um, but they're the kind of the same thing. Like, I've been dealing with this for long enough to... And it's so present right now that it feels like it needs to be addressed. But it also is... Some days are great. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Some days are awful. Do you know? And where do we... Any given day, any order of that. And um, how do we talk about how the good days are great and how we want to celebrate them, but how the bad days are still great. They're still really important. What are we... 
what are we taking away from that? What are we learning about ourselves? Anytime we can acknowledge that we're even having a bad day, that we're even feeling a certain way about a certain thing, to me that's a huge victory. Because then it, it sets the awareness. It sets the awareness pattern of, oh, that's happening. Okay, well, next time that happens, I'll know where that sits or I might understand a little bit better what that feels like. And then from there, way down the line, I can start to figure out how that behavior changes for me, how that how I can breathe through that thought process more. Um, so for me, marking those uh, events in a very public, because I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about it. To be perfectly honest, it's like my professional vanity page, great, love it, fantastic. It makes me feel sexy, beautiful, confident, whatever. But this thing is like, this is me. This is what I'm going through. And if we all kind of get on the same page about what we're going through in any given day, we can be more empathetic humans and then be more empathetic artists. You know, how do we understand like what people are going through? You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That I don't mind it being public. I don't mind it being being a a very, what a lot of people would consider to be a sensitive topic, you know? Uh, Or sensitive topics. yeah, I don't really see it as that different, I guess. Yeah, great. Yeah. You're writing a musical? Yeah. And you're writing a play? Yeah. <laughs> what have you, uh, I want to know what they're both about, yeah. and then I also want to know uh, what you've kind of learned from your collaborators since you've been with such incredible collaborators yeah. in the past year and a half. Yeah. Um, that have steered you in a direction for yeah. your writing? Tell me everything. Yes, um, I... I will refrain from telling you about the musical only because it's in like early, early, early development. All I will say is that it's like based on a true story. It's set in Wales and it uh, talks, it's going to talk about sexuality and the Church of England. And that's, uh, that's all I really say about it. But I'm in the very beginning. Okay, I'll say this too. I'm learning right now how, how diligently you have to research for something that's true. And that, uh, He's not my collaborator, but Lin-Manuel Miranda has set a precedent for what a lack of access looks like because Room Where It Happens is out is about a thing no one can know about. And yet it is like so charged and active. He was never in that space. So what is it like to get access to some records that I need for my research? Where can I not get access? And isn't that inherently where a story might lie? Where something really fascinating might lie about the hypothesis of what is that? Anyways, um, the play is about um, it does not have a title. It's currently called Gallery Play. It's set in a museum and it's about a hypothetical alternate reality Uh, for an event in my own life. Like, if one singular event had gone differently 20 years later, what would be happening? Um, It's about, and it's about mine and my dad's relationship. Fictional characters, fictional, uh, not a fictional setting, it takes place in New York. Um, And that's not fiction. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, and I, so I've learned uh, um, very, very good friends of mine are playwrights, and I also from, like, working on Ferryman, which is a beautifully crafted script, um, I'm learning a lot about what it is to be brave about just putting stuff on a page. What it is to just, it's arbitrary until your second draft. Like, just getting out anything. Like, I'm struggling to hit page 45 right now. And that's, like, my goal is, in March 1st, a 45 
page, half of the play will be done. And I, um, I'm struggling with that. And it's just about having the audacity and the nerve to be wrong and just put it on the page anyways. It, it's not going to stay that way, you know? And so, and, and um, I've learned a lot about what a redrafting process looks like. I've learned a lot about um, what it is to be in workshop on a new work as an actor. So therefore, like, how as a writer do I want to see, you know, what do I need to have my workshops look that way? And also, like, when is it appropriate? Like, on the musical, I'm not very musical, uh, I'm not very musically literate. I can play piano, I sing... I can, I've been writing songs for a long time, but um, there's a lack, there's a there's a hole. And so when is it time to bring somebody else into the process? What is the moment when we feel like, yeah, I'm comfortable with my stuff and I can hang on to this. Now, now universe, give me those people who will help unlock things that I could never see. Um, when is it, when is it the right time to share, to receive feedback? Um, so nobody's ever ready to receive feedback, but like when... When do we need it? When is it, are we not going to be able to continue until we move through that? Um, and just the importance of, like, writing every day. Like, no matter what it is, just, like, uh, Oscar Wilde, I suppose. I've been told this quote by somebody else. Oscar Wilde once said, like, uh, was asked, like, what, what did you do today? Uh, you know, did you get any work done? And he was like, yes, in the morning I put in a comma, and in the evening I took the comma out. And that is, like, in, that's enough. Like, that is enough to say, like, yes, I worked because they, like, sat and considered the comma. Do you know? And, like, what is that? So, um, yes, that is... Okay, that's that. See, I told you I ramble. No, this is great. But I do, though. But I Okay, good. But I just... I was going to say, actually, you're kind of blowing through these faster than a lot of other people have. Yeah. Oh, I guess... I get very, I get very excited, and then I just sort of like, talk fast. You know? No, it's so good. Okay, okay, good. Um, <laughs> tell me about your EP. Yeah. Dedicated to women you know, women you don't know, women yeah. you will never know. Yeah. Um, what inspired that, yeah. and what are what can we be expecting from you? Yeah. yeah What's yeah, your yeah. sound? That's a great question. Um, the EP is titled "The Yearning" or this is not about a boy. Um, and it was inspired by a song that's actually no longer on the EP. Uh, a, uh, an, an apology? A love letter? Some, a, a, essentially a note to um, the first girl I was in love with. The, the, one, of the, one of the only two people I've ever been in, in genuine love with in my life. Uh, and we're not together. And uh, I probably will never see her again. And it was a love letter to her, and I just realized how touched I had been by women. And I was also, to be fair, I was at that point in Mass Mocha working on stuffs around all women. So I was very much, very being very much touched by the spirits of our grandmothers and our grandmothers' grandmothers. And um, it has sort of shaped itself into a, it's very much about my mom. In the same way that my play is, is largely about a hypothetical dad, my EP is a lot about my mom and about what it is to be a daughter and what it is to, that we're, that all women are daughters um, in some way, shape, or, you know, we all have that relationship to a mom and that, and our mom had that relationship to her mom and to her mom and to her mom and to her mom. Uh, and in terms of sound, um, I'm, uh, I've been writing songs for a long time. Mm, 
they've been very musical theater for a long time. Sure. And I'm star- sort of uh, really trying to haul myself out of that because it's not the way that I think this loosely constructive narrative that I have for this EP. It's not how I feel like it's best told, but sometimes I do sort of go like, oh, this is your mama who bore me Spring Awakening number. Oh, stop that. Stop thinking like that. So, um, but I, what's also really important to me is um, uh, each of the songs has their own musical language. They have, like, a motif that ties them all sort of together, a musical phrase that sort of it will end up being in all of them in some way. Um, but they they um, necessitate, they have, a, they have a necessity for different sounds because they, I'm sorry, I love this song. I love this song. Wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> they have not they have a need for different sounds. So the album, that's why the motif is really important is I'm like, this album's gonna be like, no one's gonna listen to it. It doesn't sound like one artist. It sounds like a bunch of, there's jazz and there's a little R&B. There's a, it's very like indie, there's an indie folk rock song. There's an 80s punk rock song. You know, there's like, it's very all over the place. There's a choral element. Like there's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I, I, it was really important to me to to just let each piece be their own thing as they've as they've come come out of me very exorcism like uh, you know like um, and um, yeah I'm really ex- it's may it's maybe the thing right now the play is great the musical's great but it's the thing right now that's really like firing me up you know that's like makes me excite like I when I was I was on the subway here. Looking at a song I wrote two days ago, that's song number five, because there's going to be six songs on it, which is pushing it for an EP. Um, and I was working on it, because that's how I, it's, I, it's, I'm constantly thinking about it now. Um, I'm also planning on releasing two singles um, in the span between now and when the EP comes out, and those are about boys, um, but which is why they're not on the EP, because I love the songs, they're just not. They're not meant to go on an album about women. Um, and it was really important to me that there was, like, not masculine elements. And by masculine elements, I just mean, like, lyric-wise and thematically. Um, yeah. So that's that's what's happening with that. And I'm so stoked about it. Like, it's really, truly, it's like my passion project right now. That's so great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And are you going to be, and you're the sole artist. You, do you have a band? Like, what's the vibe of the that? The vibe is that in the same way of when do I invite collaborators in on other things, it's I have just, it's just been me so far. Okay. The plan is to get friends to come sing on it. And to reach out to musicians that I know um, and music producers that I know, which is a great thing that, like, in our industry, so many people have so many different skill sets and and so many different um, ways of creating. So reaching out to people as it, but as of right now, it's just, like, me and a piano, (laughs) which is, like, not how I intend for it to continue. But, um, and I did debate for a long time, like, whether or not it would be worth it to have somebody else sing it. And I was like, it's your story, and you want to... And you want to do it. You want to sing it. And even if it's not um, vocally exactly how you want it to sound, because there's limitations on every human voice, and um, it's it'll be good to claim that for myself, to have that thing, you know? Yeah. 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 
it's so good. I'm also, excited. They're just playing Beatles. They're playing jams, really good music. And it's really okay. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, for as long as I've known you, you've been open about being a queer person. Yeah. Um, I know that you've always had like a very deep connection to Fun Home, yeah. and which is for those who don't know, a musical about queerness, self-discovery, um, and a woman figuring out her sexuality at different stages of life. How has self-discovery for you, how has it been tested and how has it changed since you initially realized this about yourself? Yeah. And how has your work changed yeah. since understanding this about yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, not to get super overly personal, but um, it's a personal question. Um, I knew I was quote unquote like different from other kids when I was 11 and I came out to my mom who was like are you sure I came out as, as a lesbian came out as gay and my mom said are you sure and I was like yeah I'm pretty sure she said okay don't tell your father and that was like the first moment of uh, nobody else in my world was saying don't be gay you know you shouldn't be who you are it was just don't tell people don't that's fine but don't don't let other people into that um and I don't know if my dad knows and I hope he reads this article and like learns that I'm bi and that'd be great that I'm, I'm a queer person I'm very proud of it um but because uh, I've never told him um but uh I have publicly claimed it very outright for better or for worse, I think. Um, because I think I thought when I was younger that if I publicly claimed it, it would make accepting it in my own body really easy. And the fact of the matter is that whether she knows it or not or she likes it or not, you know, like being told not to tell somebody was a very uh, inhibiting thing. Um, especially being told by someone as close to me as my mom. And we're very, like, you know, I'll tell her when I'm like, I'm like, Mom, I'm going on a date with a girl this week. You know, I'm doing this, um, blah, 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 blah. I'm working on a, a, a peer, a, oh, my God, a piece of queer theater. Like, let's talk about that, you know. And she's seen me in Fun Home. She's seen me make out with girls. That's all happened. So, um, you know, there's, like, a level of acceptance. But anyways, um, when Fun Home was so important to me because when I was a sophomore in college, pretty early on, um, I saw it, and... Uh, I watched two college-age people, same age as me, have that coming into your body feeling of what it is to claim who you are, a piece of who you are. Um, and I remember watching it and kind of thinking like, oh, that's what it is. Whoa. Because I didn't, I, I didn't and sometimes still don't feel that all the way. I don't 100% feel an ownership over my own queerness. And that's a weird thing to say and admit because so many people have fought and died for the rights of queer people. And for me to be able to, for me to be able to publicly claim I'm bi and I'm really fucking proud of that. Um, so to not feel it in my body makes me feel guilty sometimes. It makes me feel ashamed that I don't have an ownership of it. Um, also, I've, like, largely, through, throughout college, um, was in relationships with guys, um, which makes 
public perception of your queerness. It, it, it makes it an active participant of your identity. And I'm working really hard right now on not giving a shit and not giving, uh, just really putting that so far on the back burner. It's not even in the kitchen anymore, do you know? Because it's, it's, it's not helpful for me. Um, it's not useful for me. Um, yeah. So that's, and I, I'm, I've done Fun Home twice, which is amazing, which is so amazing. And when I was a sophomore in college, I was in final callbacks for the national tour, um, which was life-changing because I walked into a room with Janine Tesori, Lisa Crone, Sam Gold, like these people who had changed my life, who had given me the opportunity to see what was possible. Um, and to me, I've met Alison Bechdel twice, um, like which not everybody who's done Fun Home can say that. Like, I think definitely Broadway, definitely in the national tour. But she, the first time I did it was in her hometown. I slept in her childhood bedroom because the house that they lived in is now owned by the Mennonites and is on Airbnb. And a, and a company member said, we're going to go. Like, why wouldn't we go? So we rehearsed in the house for a night. And that's nuts. That's a, a crazy, crazy thought, uh, and it was a, it was mind-boggling to me. And I, she's a, an incredible woman, and she's exactly what you picture her as. And I love her so much. I mean, she just opened up a whole world for me that I didn't uh, even really know existed until I had seen it. Um, and I played Medium Allison, and then at Weston Playhouse, I played Joan, which was a, this amazing feeling of. What does it feel? Because the character is so just open and comfortable. So what is it to have to embody that even when I don't necessarily feel that? And so it really, that really jumped my, um, it really jump-started my um, journey in a beautiful, great way. Um, and I've, I, like I I'd said it before um, about the EP question, but um, one of the only two people I've been in love with is, is a very dear, dear woman, and she's, um, and to know that about myself, that that's actually really where it lives, it, it does live there, and it's not a lie, and it's not something that, you know, I thought about myself when I was 11, but somehow changed, and I've been claiming it, and it's accidentally been wrong, it's like, to know that and have that as a touchstone has been comforting, as I still kind of struggle with claiming this thing. You know, and it's just been, it's just been, you, you, you don't tell people for a long time and then you really tell people and then you're kind of like, well, wait, you know, I was lying for so long by omission and now I'm shouting it from the rooftops, but I still feel the weight of those lies for so long. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, I was really glad to, to, uh, to see this question because I was like, uh, it really, it also, it helped me um, reckon with it, reflect about it, go, go. okay, well, what is your story with your own queerness? Like, what actually, let's dive back into that. Let's, let's actually retell the story of what that is because um, it's also something that if I don't, if I'm not actively thinking about it, it's not 100% super present in my, there's a dog, um, <laughs> it's not 100% present in my it doesn't feel 100% present in my life. Even though I know it's always there, it's always a part of me, if I'm not actively thinking about it right now, it feels like it goes away. And so I'm working on how do we, um, how do I 
let that just be in me. So, yeah. That's a great answer. Thank you. It's a, I was really, like, I mean, I'm truly grateful to be able to reckon with it because I was like, yeah, you know, what is it to be... Yeah, you have always seen me as out and proud and queer. And so what is it to know that that's how people look at me and that's a part that's a part of me that people see really publicly but to not feel it 100%, to not actually own it in the way privately that I own it in a public space. What's that? Yeah. Do you know? That's a that's a massive That's a that's a mountain right there. And we got to do some digging, you know, like really. So I was really, yeah, really grateful for this question. I'm glad that I could (laughs) be of help. Um, I ask this question to everyone, so don't be alarmed. (laughs) This isn't like putting you on the spot, but uh, you said you have been in love before. What was the first time you ever fell in love like? I have a question for you. It's semi off the record. Do people know that I've been asked these questions before we interview? Do you do they know that I have like have had access to them? Because I wrote a response to this that I'd really like to read. Oh, yeah, you can. Great. Okay. Of course. Okay. I doesn't matter. People bring like notes all the time. Great. Okay. I this was this was when I had a So you can keep that. Now you can keep I don't give a sure, shit. Just keep it in there. I don't know. Um but I um yeah. Okay. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. I wrote, this is what I wrote in answer to this question. As far as my heart and body knows, I've been in love, authentic, genuine love, twice in my life. Being in love is overwhelming because it's quiet and loud all at once. It is a blue light in the center of my chest. It is sitting in an imaginary pool of light in the arms of a person who you might feel, or who you feel might be the first person to see you in your whole life. Love is making someone else's bed and picking food out of someone else's teeth. It is intimate and weird. Love asks us to hold space for each other as we travel on our own journeys, even when our paths sometimes diverge from the ones we love. Love makes us want to do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. Love tests us. Love demands perfection without punishment. Love asks us to question ourselves and our desires and our fears and our past and our thoughts because love should always be honest. We owe it to love, to be honest to ourselves and others. Love is chemical and biological. Love is emotional. Love is irrational and requires breath to temper it, much like blowing glass. Love is kind and cruel and beautiful and terrible. It can be woefully impatient. It can be difficult to hold. Knowing your capacity for overwhelming love is your greatest strength also means you are at the greatest risk for frequent heartbreak. But still we love and trust in love, for love is the most beautiful thing in the world. There is nothing like it. And that's what I wrote. That's great. Wow. Your questions really brought brought things out in me that... But really, I have, you know, I've been in love twice, and both of those loves have diverged from me. Um, One very, very recently, and one several years ago. But I hold, what what do we do do with all that love? Because it doesn't go away. Like, unfortunately, like, you can fall in and out of love with as many people as you want, but there are certain people who have that, like, cosmic authentic I see you love and that that thing doesn't just it just doesn't go away I will always love those two people 
until I die. And so, like, when you when I saw this question, I was like, let me, let me really. So anyway, so that's what I wrote. That's my answer. I say so anyways a lot when I'm just trying to be like talked for so long. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Now I have some fun questions. Who should everyone be following on social media right now? Can I give more than one answer? Yeah. Great. Okay. Uh, uh, at this is Patty Smith. Because um, I worship at her altar. Um, there's a dancer called at Napalm Quist who, whose movement like feeds my soul. I've never witnessed a choreographer. There's great choreographers in the world. Ah, um, but his stuff is unreal. Um, I follow at the Tiny Chef Show for just like shenanigans um, and Florence Pugh. Oh. And Florence Pugh. <laughs> and Florence Pugh. You were saying you were going to make marmalade. Yes, I'm so <laughs> Everyone's making marmalade she, now. She, because of her. Because she posted this long, long, long set of Instagram stories about her just making marmalade. And I was like, the nerve. You know, like, she's just 100% herself. She's making marmalade. She wants to document it. Just like any normal human being. Yeah. And I want to get to that level. Yeah. You know, what is that? What's that? Yeah, I love her. When and where do you feel most like yourself? The bathtub. I do my best work in the bathtub, and it's the only place uh, in, I think, the whole world where I am not ever, I'm, I'm never, uh, mm, I'm never able to lie about who I am or where I am, like, emotionally, mentally, physically. Like, I am just me in a bathtub. That's great. I love a bath. I love a bath almost more than anything else in this yeah. world. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. That's so crazy. I love it. That's like me. I take a bath every night. That's, I can't, I can shower. Uh, yeah, I, I can shower too. But, but why would I? Yeah, but I why? don't prefer it. No, no. <laughs> Not when you can take a bath. I get it. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? I've also thought long and hard about this one. Currently, the answer is Greta Gerwig, but on a day when she's working. Because okay. um, I'm really interested in the, in what people's process looks like, what other people's process looks like. But I also, at the same time, was like, no, like a chef or a ba- like a like a, a ballet like a professional ballerina. Because like, what is what is ru- their routine look like? Like, what is normal? Because our days look so different. Or an accountant. What is nor you know like an ordinary quote quote person, right? But Greta Gerwig. Okay. But Greta Gerwig. While she's working. While she's working. Okay. While she's working. <laughs> If you would have a child right now, what would his or her name be? Or their name be? I love name questions. Um, uh, uh, okay, for a boy, Pierce, P-E-A-R-S-E. For a girl, Freya, F-R-E-Y-J-A. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What kind of spelling is that? It's, it's like Norse. Yeah. It's like the Nordic, like... Yeah. Goddessy. It's like a very. I think it's also a variation. Like sometimes people just use the J, and sometimes people just use the Y. But I kind of like that. There's two. They're not unnecessary letters, but they're two kind of like where'd you come from letters, like right next to each other in a name. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? These are all my questions for you. I don't. Closing statements. Only, only that I am. I'm. Um. That. Last night, I was telling somebody that I was doing this. I was telling my mom, because I call my mom every day. 
That's that's been a routine for a long time. And she was like, oh, like, uh, remind me again. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my friend from school created this thing that fuels her and fires her and, and lets her talk to people she loves and lets her express a, a portion of her creativity in a different way. And I was just kind of marveling at... It's also, you've done this for a long time. This is not a new... It's not a new project for you. This has been ongoing. You know, if you look all the way back, as I have done on the website, it, it goes back a significant length of time. This is not new. And I was marveling at the fact that at a, at a young, young age, you said, I have stories to explore and people that I want to talk to and, uh, and, and, and I want to have a space to do that for myself. And you just did it. You know, like I was just kind of, so in that, I'm super grateful to be a part of this community you're building and this project that you're exploring and to be a part of something that is from the ground up, like just yours. It is like just a thing that you built. I want to just like casually, but also really legitimately celebrate that this is a beautiful endeavor of yours and it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage and and uh, empathy and fucking hard work to make it happen and you're just doing it you know there's like a lot of people who talk about what it's gonna be like when they get that and you're just doing it and I like really respect that I really admire that that's really nice yeah I just want to celebrate that for a second that like I'm so touched to be asked to do this by you but also like yeah no End of statement. And end stop. I was touched to be asked to do this because to be asked into somebody else's creative haven is uh, a, an honor and a blessing. You know, to be to be welcomed into a thing that you that you run that is your brainchild and your heart child is like fucking cool. It's a fucking cool opportunity. Wow. Yeah. That is so, so nice. Mad props to you. Thank so you. So much love. <laughs> you know. Thanks. All right, I guess that's it. Thanks yeah. for doing this. Of course. Thrilled. Thrilled. Thank you to Holly for an incredibly wise and thoughtful interview. It's really amazing to me actually just how inspired I am just by talking to people about where they come from and their experiences. And it's also, it hits me because I only knew Holly from one perspective, and that was being the younger student. And I really felt like we were not very alike at all, and that there was a lot of stuff that kind of kept us apart from each other. And now I feel like because of how open Holly was, this conversation really gave me so much insight into how alike we are. So that was really special. So thank you so, so much to Holly. And we're really going to expect a lot of great things from her. It's been a really crazy time. I know everyone's saying that, but it truly has. And I don't really know what's going to happen with Scout. Um, It's my baby and I love it so much and I have so much fun. I never really want to stop doing this, so I hope that I don't have to. But for the time being, because of what's going on in the world, I am creating and editing and thinking of ideas from home as I social distance, and I hope all of you are too. I 
felt really quite sluggish the first few days. I think it's just because the whole idea of the illness and the unknowns were daunting to me and it felt like I didn't know anything and I didn't know what was to come. But I really feel like getting outside for a bit has helped tremendously and doing a lot of small tasks or moving around my house to different areas to get a different energy has been really helpful and important for me. I don't know if that helps you guys at all, but for the time being, that's where I am. And as always, you can find us and connect with me on social media. I feel like that's saving a lot of us right now. And I'm just trying to think positively about what art comes out of these weeks we're quarantined. I kept joking to a lot of people that someone's going to write the next great American novel in this time, and I feel like it's probably going to happen. So um, I'm trying to think positively and hope for the best. So I hope it's not going to be long before I speak to another guest of mine. But for the time being, be safe, be smart, and stay creating. Bye, guys.